The thing about programming is that it's terrible. Not that it's not fun, but we're in the dark ages, and everybody knows it. We don't know how to do anything. What was it that you said the other day, Patrick, that we're, we're, we are mathematicians stumbling along waiting for Leibniz or Newton to invent calculus? Yeah, I feel like a 14th century mathematician, like, bumping up against the limits of the techniques available. Was that a calculus pun? Not really a pun. Oh, hey, yes! <laughs> that was an awesome pun! Never mind. <laughs> but unintentional. Well played. Uh, so, in conclusion, to quote Joe D'Amato, it is a miracle that computers work. <laughs> No one knows how computers work. Yes. No one knows. Yeah, I mean, doesn't it terrify the shit out of you that people wrote the software that runs things like the control systems and airplanes? And, and, and not just people, but like people at large companies. And if right. you've worked at a large company before, you know how awful, awful, awful places they are to work. No offense to anyone who... Actually, you know what? Fuck you. If you work at a big company <laughs> and you like it, fuck you. <laughs> you hate it. Stop lying to yourself. I mean, like, uh, imagine, imagine if like some kid coming up now, you know, writing Node.js, um, you know, ends up writing a control system that could possibly kill hundreds of people if it fails uh, in Node.js. Uh, Doesn't that terrify you? Yes. You're familiar with the Therac 25 incident, right? Nope. No. It's like the programming disaster, other than the Mars no. Surveyor. It's the one where Tell me. Uh, they had the radiation machine. It was deployed in like 12 hospitals in Canada. And due to a combination of bad UI, uh, the fact that all the firmware was in assembly, and just general short-sightedness and sloppiness, like... Uh, a number of people got died. They got fatal doses of radiation. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. It's like... Fuck. Uh, in uh, college, it was like the first... Uh, it's the first case study you talk about like for software ethics because it's... Uh, the only thing I think comparable to it is the Mars Surveyor... Right. N Mars Orbiter that crashed because somebody didn't convert uh, metric to Imperial... Yep. But that was just kind of egg on NASA's face, whereas a bunch of right. people died. And that's and the the thing about the surveyor thing is I don't remember the exact details, but it seemed like it was less the error of a person doing the programming and like more of like shit, we just designed this wrong and forgot to take into account that all the input would be in, in metric. Yeah, it was a communication thing, right? One team was doing right, it yeah. in metric and one team was doing it in Imperial. Right, exactly. And so that's more of a, like, that could happen with anything, even if it's not, they're not specifically programmers, yeah, right? it's not one Whereas person's this, fault. this cancer shit is like, holy fuck, they got, some dude wrote that code wrong, and now people fucking died. Yeah, it's an incredibly tragic story, but honestly, I'm just surprised it, it doesn't happen more often. And can even get programming aside, nobody knows how hardware works. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's they're found we find macbook pros yes, they, 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 that's apple goes and excavates them from china if you find a, a macbook pro on the beach and you're walking along would you not assume that it had been designed 
Um, <laughs> uh, to create a MacBook Pro, you must first invent the universe. Uh, but I, hardware is crazy. Did you see the thing about the EC2 outage being uh, traced to a single flipped bit from like Cosmic Rays? No. Amazing. What? Yeah, one, my mind. one flipped bit in one uh, text section of the ECT, EC2 program that was like part of like the C standard library, so it just seg faulted. One flipped bit on one machine and a bunch of clusters went down. That sounds that's, that's that seems kind of shitty, because like one machine goes down and the whole cluster is, fu is fucked. It like, was like the worst. It was like the worst possible situation. And like, the, not all of EC2 went down, but there were availability issues. You know. The next time I write like bug fix release notes, I'm just gonna put cosmic rays. Yes, good idea. That David Banner gamma ray shit. Yes. <laughs> God, that that song is so fucking awesome. To the That's... listeners, the song we're referring to is uh, The Jump Off, Protect Your Neck by the Wu-Tang Clan. Five yes. minutes in and Colin's rapping. Lovely. Whatever, man. Fuck you. He didn't promise this time. <laughs> we're not holding it to anything. I know, man. Yeah, I, I, gave you, I gave the listeners one episode of Reprieve, and then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get, you get the one, listeners. Yeah, that's it. Just listen to that one over and over again, if you, if you don't like the new stuff. Yeah, they, we we sold out. <laughs> yep. Actually, we didn't. Mule and five by five. We, no, no, we did. We released things oh, before yeah. we were super underground. You know that that reminds me. This morning, I was out for a walk, and I walked by this girl in Williamsburg who was running in like neon green, like I guess like tight yoga pants and this like oversized sleeveless Wu Tang Clan shirt. And at first, I was like, "Hey, that's that's pretty cool," but. Then I was like, she's running in it. Like, clearly she doesn't... This isn't her favorite shirt. Maybe it was even not an ironic thing. Right, you're like... And you're like, she probably doesn't know who Wu-Tang are. For real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wait a minute. Like... Wait a second. I'm on to you, girl. Yeah. I'm on to you, yeah, Tiffany. It's, it's, it's Williamsburg, so you never know where the irony levels are at. It, yeah, because it's Williamsburg. You're like... Oh. You need you need some sort of like like if you need like that that time tape thing I put on milkshake, but for irony. <laughs> the irony is in the groundwater in Williamsburg. I have a feeling. Yeah, you need something some sort of like device to you can like measure against a known like like hold hold you hold it up and then you watch Star Wars and then if it turns green then it's uh you know you're you're good but if it turns red then you're like whoa irony yeah. levels too high. You you, you you need to sample the blood of a known quantity. Like, find the most earnest person you know. Me. Like, take, I, take, I the, blood, take the blood of Patrick or a newborn baby and compare it. Um, that'd be pretty sweet. And the, and the only cure is you have to go on intensive uh, irony rehabilitation courses where you read David Foster Wallace. You have to, you have, it's like irony, but chemo. And that's, that's called watching a uh, watching peep show. <laughs> I was thinking it'd be more like rehab. Oh man, dude, that show the Peep Show. I've never seen it. Oh god, Philip, you've seen. We, we watched some of it oh, when yeah. we were at your place, and I, I've seen more of it. It's just the most incredibly awkward show ever. 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's so it's, awkward. It's it's cringe comedy at its finest. Oh, like, I love uh, cringe comedy. I know that's why I haven't ever suggested you watch it, Patrick. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Because well, the thing that makes it so bad is that they use like this first person perspective for a lot of it. So it's like forcing you to experience being the person that is yeah you know, like it's like so visceral you're like ah! yeah. you just need like to watch like puppies on loop for like <laughs> like 20 <laughs> minutes after you watch an episode yeah it's it's david mitchell and robert webb oh. and it's just their lives they're constantly just being shit on <laughs> nothing ever goes right for these guys <laughs> ever yeah there are a few uh cringe comedy like bits that i can appreciate i just I, I can't make it through an entire like television episode where every two minutes i'm being tortured <laughs> with awkward yep no it's torture porn basically like for, Ouch. for awkwardness <laughs> torture humor yeah it is yeah. it is the british version of torture porn where it's just it's yes. just words that are hurting people <laughs> Just a list of painful words. Yeah, they're very articulately torturing each other with their language. Yeah, that's a that's a nightmare situation watching like first person cringe comedy. Yep, nightmares. <laughs> so, uh, so one of the things we have on this list here is uh, the Pusha T and Lil Wayne beef. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. I'm I'm completely unfamiliar with what's with what's going on between these two uh, scholars. So <laughs> they they had beef back in like the 2000s, and then they kind of squashed it. But then Pusha T started like talking shit about Drake, and then Drake started talking shit about him, and then uh, Pusha went after Drake and Lil Wayne and uh, Birdman, Lil Wayne's adoptive dad and uh then the gloves were off and now they're a bunch of diss tracks being swapped and it's totally awesome because it's rap soap opera <laughs> are drake and little wayne like bros oh yeah they're bffs that's so strange yeah 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 drake is on uh young money yeah he's on the cash money records he's, he, and, he's uh, wayne's protege yeah yeah huh. uh like the motto, you know, where YOLO's from, that's uh, that's got a little Wayne verse on it that's actually decent. The yes. song is kind of terrible though. I, it, it, I, don't, I don't understand. It's not a great song. It's not, it's just like listen to it. Like it's, there's nothing outstanding about it. Exactly. Like it's it's bizarre much... that YOLO got seized upon from this otherwise unremarkable song. It's kind of a cute little uh, acronym, but. Yeah, I think it must just be it's like it was played on the radio incessantly and it's the only thing about the song that makes an impression on you. Yeah. And so it's just like the rest of it is just gonna just people are just gonna forget about it and then be like the one part, YOLO, like that's yeah. the motto. Like Can can you can you guys explain Drake to me because I and mean, A he'll always be Jimmy from Degrassi. To yeah. me, but also he just seems his music just seems perfectly adequate. It's the mission. He is the missionary position of rappers. <laughs> That's not my joke. I stole that from somebody. I don't remember. Dude, who. yeah, he's he's a missionary, and but not even with the candles or anything. Oh, just yeah. like sort of like just like the door is like cracked open. <laughs> like that's that's the mood lighting. He's the missionary the mood like lighting. the back of a Ford Taurus. Ooh. No, no, no. That's even that is exciting in a way. <laughs> no, Have this you is ever just been like a Ford Taurus. Yes, my dad owned a Ford Taurus. It was magenta. 
No, no, Drake is missionary position, and you're just so bored of fucking that person. Yeah. And okay. you're just bored. You're just the whole time. All you're thinking of is we've done this a thousand times already. This is so boring. Yeah, he in terms of rapping style, and he's just Lil Wayne without any of the uh, any of the like off the wall complete lunacy that makes Wayne fun. He's very predictable, and he's just you know like I see I understand why he's so popular because he's inoffen- he's he's relatively inoffensive. You know, like he's the sort of, you know moms can get into him and. He's just all over the radio. Uh, you dropped the mom rap label on him. Oh, dude, yeah, no, man, I'm that's... sorry, man. Drake is mom rap. No, I agree. I'm just, I'm just saying, you're about to start your own beef here. Be careful. Yeah, I said it. Uh, it, it... That dude's from Canada. Oh shit, dude. He's also Jewish. Yeah, he's half Jewish. He'll fuck you up, man. Some Israeli like special forces shit. Like he's gonna like get up, get all up in you, and like not make, not allow you to go to the airport and stuff. Mm. <laughs> Won't that suck? Uh, yeah, dude, dude sucks. That's TLDR. Dude sucks. Yep. Yep. Have we have we talked about uh, what what our status is of being on a podcast network? Uh, nobody would return our calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, pretty much. Mike Montero may be filing a restraining order. I'm, I don't know. I used to live right near that guy, actually. It was really weird because I would see him all the time, like just like at the grocery store and like walking like to back and forth to the coffee shop. Like I would walk by his house and I would see him and his like, like peeps, like just like chilling there. And I was like, I never said anything because I don't really think he knows who I am. Hmm. I mean, I know I know a number of people who work at Mule and I know a number of people who like have worked with Mule, but I've never actually met Mike. And so it's like. If I went, hey, I'd be like, that'd be the, like, the, hey, I'm from the internet, hey, and I don't want to play that. Oh, I hate that, hey. I hate that, hey. Yeah, you know what it's I mean? Terrible. It's like, it's like, ugh. You know. You know, that happened to me, um, this happened to me two years ago. Patrick, you were there. I don't think, Colin, I don't think we knew each other at this point. Yeah. Um, it was at, it was a WWDC, which is coming up again soon, and I, I had completely shaved my beard. Oh, it was hilarious. Yeah, I was completely clean shaven, and... I kept running into people, like people I knew from Apple or um, just kind of in the community, and I'd walk up to them and be like, hey, man, how's it going? And, and they perceived it as the internet, hey, because they had no idea who the fuck I was without any facial hair. And I would have to have people, like, vouch for me. Like, my friend Jake at one point was like, hey, that's that's Philip. Like, like, oh, shit, man, I didn't even recognize you. <laughs> you should have just, like, taken, like, a Sharpie and just, like... Get a little bit of you know, you're on some facial hair, like it's just like a like a little like you know like goatee or like like a mustache or something like that, just to help people along. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, a little hint. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's hinting. It's hinting for their facial recognition algorithm. Like, yeah, uh, an old roommate of mine uh has been bearded since I've ever known him. And one day he had a shaving, one of those beard accents, as you do oh, when you're yeah, shaving, yeah, yeah. and you have to mm-hmm. shave the thing off. And I just would start laughing uncontrollably every time he went into the room. I, I, I couldn't <laughs> help it. I, I couldn't help it. There was like three days when we didn't see each other because I would just laugh really hard because he looked exactly like his dad. 
<laughs> then after like three days, he had enough of a mustache so that I would only go when he started talking. Wow, you're a dick. I am. <laughs> um, uh, I lived with that dude for uh, three years, so he and I like. Is is this Alex? Yeah, this is Alex. Oh yeah, totally. No, no, no. Alex would totally look like a dad if he hadn't have a beard. He does. Shouts out to Alex. Oh yeah, mad shout out to Alex. Nice dude. Yeah. Um. Uh. Do we want? Do we want to do this? Do we want to do? Do we want to lose all our listeners? Uh. By talking about programming language. Yeah, it's the next thing on the agenda. We already did. Kind of did do that. I mean, I could. Well, yeah, we could more. we could then but then we there's another one after right after that. Oh yeah. Where where it's really going to get serious. It is going to get serious, so let's do this. Uh I don't understand the utility of interpreted languages anymore, I don't think. Just just for some background for for our listeners who may not be familiar with who Patrick is. Patrick <laughs> <laughs> Patrick at one point worked on MacRuby enthusiastically not just like as a job like enthusiastically worked on mac ruby and i still contribute to patch uh now and then sure but you were a believer yeah mac ruby is also different because you can compile it to binaries and embed and link static libraries and stuff but uh it just i don't understand it anymore because languages live and die by their standard libraries and when you have a popular scripting language you can't really it's so hard to change the standard libraries. It's so hard. Look at, like, when Python had to wait until Python 3, because it's backwards and compatible, right? You, right? you have compatibility problems. But when you have a language where all the code runs on the client, and you have the problem that APIs are hard to find, I'm feeling that lang scripting languages of that sort are drastically less useful, because you're going to, by definition, be wedded to either a standard library full of crappy APIs, Python URL lib2, I'm looking at you, uh, <laughs> or you're going to have to pull in a packaging manage a package management system uh, and install a bunch of third-party libraries of various, of somewhat dubious reputation. Ruby. <laughs> got, my, got my gems going on. I think Python's packaging is much worse than Ruby's. I was just trying to be fair. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but, uh, and, and Ruby gems is a disaster. Like, there's there, uh, there's thin gems, which is I think from uh, James Gallic, uh, and that you know that guy is really good, and that's a great so that's a great replacement Ruby package manager. But I just don't understand really the niche anymore. Uh, I don't, uh, and I thought scripting languages were about convenience, and it seems to me that the uh, API inertia cuts into convenience terribly. So what should we do? Should we just use Elisp? I don't know. I guess we could use more compiled languages. That's my only idea. <laughs> Isn't it a little silly that we even call them scripting languages anymore? Not many people do. Right. I mean, when Perl came out yeah. and Tickle, like, it made sense to call them scripting languages because they couldn't really do a lot. But now, like, you know, I mean, come on. Like, what, what exactly are you scripting when you build a website in Ruby on Rails, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's not a script. You're programming. <laughs> yeah. You're not you're not performing a series of batched up Unix commands like you know a, a, a super powered shell if you will yeah <laughs> super saiyan shell although I guess I know the way is many I've seen many people use them to build systems it's 
much more, I guess it's somewhat like scripting because they're just gluing a bunch of fucking open source libraries together. <laughs> Duplo du- du- oh. programming, it's a thing. Oh. Yeah, like, I, I remember I read this article about this guy, uh, by this guy who was talking about, you know, why, why is it so hard to learn programming or why should you learn to code sort of things. And he's talking about building this very simple, like, um, kind of like a dice game or like a, just a very simple game of chance in Ruby. And he needs, he needs to get a random number, like to simulate a dice roll, like a bounded random number. And his first impulse is to like go online and see and like ask a question, like, how do I do this? And the first response, I think it was on Stack Overflow or some Ruby forum. The right. guy was like, here is a library on GitHub that oh. will generate a random number for you. And my brain <laughs> almost exploded. <laughs> That's really upsetting. Oh. What, did you take a look at the library? Was it was it like was it like hilariously bad random number generator? Like I didn't, I didn't. He oh. didn't specify what the library was. Just, <laughs> just said that. I'm, I'm, go to get. I'm it. sure if I found it, it would have been like this massive, like you know, rail style meta program to <laughs> shit giant thing that just generated a random number. Yes, and it didn't even do a very good job. <laughs> yeah, it it, it it takes up tons of memory. And doesn't even produce good randomness. <laughs> yeah, it's just like no, no. It's just it's what it is. It is one big text file of a random, oh, a bunch of numbers, like st- like <laughs> like statistics books of random numbers. Yeah, and then it's sort of like it, it it takes the current time of day and then mods that by you know like six thousand and then starts at that index. Right. There are really yeah. worse numbers, worse random number generators than uh, <laughs> get time of day mods some strange number. Yeah. But uh, Colin, Colin, you are too good for your bad example. No, no, no. But it's a fixed list, yo. So it's completely <laughs> predictable. Once you see the first couple numbers, you know exactly what else is coming after it. <laughs> it's just we don't have any idea how to build software. I've, th- that's the problem. No, nobody knows. <laughs> It is a mystery. It is a mystery. I mean, I agree, but also just the way you're saying that makes it. It's yeah. like, it's, no one knows how to reconstruct the sword of Tazon. Yes. <laughs> it's like some Siegfried shit. Like, yeah. you know, Did you guys play Xenogears? Hell yeah. I have it, but I haven't played it yet, but I've been meaning to. You should play it. It's phenomenal. I played Xenosaga the first game. Oh, I don't think I beat dude. it, though. Xenosaga... Was, like people complain about Metal Gear Solid, Xeno Saga was a fucking movie. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, straight up. Those dudes wanted to just make full on like anime shit. That's true. Yeah, they did. They did. I mean, like literally, they made an anime. I remember it. it. It came with the DVD. <laughs> Not only was the game a movie, it came with a fucking movie. <laughs> it was like it, 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 in the same way that Metal Gear Solid Four is a movie, and then the last cutscene is another ninety-minute-long movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? I didn't know about that. It's That's straight a- up 90 minutes long. <laughs> Kojima! I, I remember when I beat I beat Metal Gear Solid 4, 
like i i was sitting there and like some friends were waiting on me like we were gonna go out and go drinking and i'm like <laughs> no, it, that's it's, not it's, how it works. it's about to end and like i hit the credits and i'm like all right we can go and i'm like and like one of my friends is like look and I'm like, oh shit, another cutscene. It'll probably just five minutes. It's all, it's all right. And then, like, 90 <laughs> minutes later, they're like, god damn it, we hate you. Yeah. Because <laughs> they had to watch it with no context. Oh, it they're, they're, they're terrible. watching the end of the game and they're like, who are these people? What's going on? Like, <laughs> if you were like watching the end of like Lost or Twin Peaks, you'd be like, by the way, I haven't seen, uh, beaten Metal Gear Solid 4, so no spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty amusing. But Xenogears, like, throughout Xenogears, people are always talking about, it's a black box. It is ancient technology. We don't know how to interface with it. Yep. That reminded me, that you reminded me of, nobody knows how to, un how software archaeology. Be yeah. Teach me to programming. <laughs> Please send me the codes. I, I do still, I don't know, I think the alchemical example is is one that we should keep returning to for this stuff, though. I mean, that's what we're doing, right? We're like, we're able to obtain some useful results, but we really don't have a good process for obtaining those results repeatedly. It's structured. And yeah. independently, right? Mm-hmm. It's structured and organized thinking, but it's not quite a science yet. Yes. I mean, yeah. you have computer science, which I would argue is, you know, like... Theoretical computer science is, a, is, well, it's more almost math, but it's certainly a uh, discipline-founded, a well-founded discipline. It has rigor. It has rigor. And programming as a general, a software, a software engineering doesn't have rigor, I don't think. No. Well, We're trying of. to apply rigor to it. There are a lot Part of good of the, ideas. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of interesting research by people who are software engineering researchers. The problem is that industry completely ignores them which makes their research very hard to do because no one wants to work with them or apply their results and like see like long term what stuff what actually you know happens so the result the improvements they're looking at are like you know five or ten percent of on various metrics and that's just not enough mm -hmm. right because they're not able to gather enough data and they're not able to do it is not you know I was reading a post about this by some software engineering researcher who was like, yo, we need some, like, industry, like, peeps to, like, work with us and shit. And do, do you guys think, I mean, as, I guess, the popular, as, as so-called scripting languages and, um, and, and even, um, I guess not as strict languages become popular, does that tend to make what we do less rigorous? In a way, but I think uh, it, it's interesting. This is what where I think you know, like testing and like the the rise of like test driven development and like unit tests and coverage and all that stuff really comes from is working in languages where you have no safety net. Like in Python or Ruby, if you have a typo in your code, you will not know until that line of code is attempted to be interpreted. Right. Right. Like. It, everything is a string like <laughs> it's like tickle right so you know you have no safety net at all so you need to exercise your code because that's how your your programming language works right it's interpreted so what's the best way to exercise code well test it right i mean like that's why you know all these rails projects and everything like that have like 100 percent test coverage of all our adder accessors and like all that stuff like like really you need to make sure the generated code works correctly like right 
Yeah, and it's it's a strange mindset. Like I remember I was talking to some guys and you know they're asking about this code base and Objective C code base. They're like, "What's your test coverage like?" And I was like, "My what?" <laughs> and and not that I'm again, I you know I I test my the software I write very rigorously, but and I I do it oftentimes by using the app, right? Because most of it's UI code. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, they're like, you know, you don't test all this shit. I'm like, no, like I it's it, it, it the compiler has all these warnings and things that catch a lot of the shit that you would write tests for mm-hmm. and in a way i mean, i i understand why people bristle for compi- uh, with compiled languages sometimes you just want to put something together as fast as humanly possible but when you build a big application and you have to get to 100 percent test coverage you just traded uh time in advance for time at the time at the beginning of your project for time at the end of your project you're going to have to whip your code into shape somehow if you have any standards of wanting to write as few bugs as possible i don't see why people uh shun compiled languages and then spend just as much time on testing as they would getting say you know making their code uh type safe yeah right. I mean, I think the well, the one the bright spot I think here is that the, the the current generation of like JVM languages all require some sort of compilation step for the most part, mm-hmm. like Scala and a lot of these other you know like Clojure and stuff like that. Like uh, not Clojure, I mean Clojure's Lisp. So, but you know, people there is more interest in in compiled languages, and people are starting to like be like, oh yeah, type safety that's helpful. Yeah, I guess at this point, the JVM has been around for so long that, you know, this, if there were such a thing as a software engineering uh, canon, like the Western canon, it would be right. It would be part of it. Right, yeah. And, well, I mean, if you just look at the research that's been done over the t- past 10 years, so much of it targets the JVM. And, you know, that's... You're really starting to see a lot of that shit come mm-hmm. out now, you know, uh, along the natural progression of research to industry. You know, it's been about you know 10 or so years 15 years and it's yep. stuff starting to come out into the industry so um what about uh the facebook ipa you guys excited about that is that a, is that a beer it, yeah yeah it's got notes of apple cinnamon and your mother asking who that cute girl <laughs> in the photo is but, i would drink a facebook ipa just once probably. yeah dude, it, I, w- I would drink a facebook ipa at least yeah. just to try it I, I have no need to uh give more money to facebook well now that i've given money to Facebook, i have no need to uh make facebook rich yeah further enrich facebook yeah. i would try it but i would not tell them whether or not i enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> take that motherfuckers you would not log in with facebook before opening it what if you had to do that what if you had to connect with facebook to open a beer bottle <laughs> Uh, and then it, was, oh it would post to Facebook after you drank, like how long it took you to drink it. That that reminds me, um, the the star of uh, that that HBO show Entourage, oh, he God. is releasing his own line of beer. Oh God! That, and the catch is, you can only open it with a like old style like um, sharp can opener that they also sell. Like it's a flat top tin can. Okay. Mm. Wow. And you have to wedge it open with a fucking, you know, <laughs> barbaric can opener. <laughs> what do I look like? An animal? Yeah. What are we animals? What year is this? 
That's actually kind of cool, I have to say. Like, not, not something I would... Well, I, I mean, come well, on. Like, I don't understand the point. That's, I mean, it's as someone who is interested in in things that will have like like history and shit. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, oh, that's kind of cool to see that. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Why is the guy who makes who was on Entourage releasing this? What's his play? Right? Yeah, what's I mean, what's what's his game? What does he think he's doing? <laughs> I guess for the same reason Francis Ford Coppola has a winery. But Francis Ford Coppola is a creative, like in- interesting person. <laughs> this guy's an actor. Maybe this guy's trying to be Coppola. Okay, Wait, let's 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 take out this guy's involvement. Like that's <laughs> that's that's incongruous enough. Let's take out. Let's take that out. Okay, so you have a beer that you have to open with a sharp implement, and when you open it, it it might create other more sharp things. Right. And you're inebriated, possibly, when you're doing this. Yep. Isn't this on its face a bad idea? I had never considered that. You're right. Yeah. This is a Indeed. terrible idea. <laughs> In- <laughs> but nostalgia, Philip. Yeah, I mean, you know. But but the ta- you won't get the taste of blood in your beer if you don't cut yourself on the lip. Yeah. It's iron-infused. Mm. Yeah, it's reinforced. Delicious. It's like rebar, but for beer. Yes, iron and tin. You know, and I'm sure it, I'm sure it's just basically PBR in a different can. Like if this deters people from drinking beer like that, I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it. It likely is not particularly good. Stuff with celebrity names on it is always a bit dubious. I just want to say it doesn't even have his name on it. <laughs> He's just the spokesman for it, like, or he just created it. He just created it with this other guy and. Yeah, he's he's he, it's not, he didn't even name it after himself. This, <laughs> like this dude needs to take some lessons from like Jay Z or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Rockefeller beer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right, before we before we say anything horrible about that, um, uh, did you, did you guys see this video that has been been I've, I've been tweeting about all day? The Tommy Lee Jones one? Uh, I haven't watched it yet. I've been... Oh my god, it's so good. So it's... it's So basically what it is, is the Suntory, the the, the, the whiskey, you know, from, from Lost in Translation, you know, mm-hmm. for relaxing times. I think it's Suntory time. Like, though, they put out this commercial of, of all of these celebrities singing the song, uh, what's known in English as Sukiyaki, and it's, they're singing the original Japanese version, which is it's a really good song and it's uh but you know it's one of those things where like it's like like uh 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 like where they have one person does like you know four words and then they do like a super cut of everybody singing the song oh yeah yeah, and yeah then, I know. and then so it's like but maybe like 25 seconds into this one minute ad tommy lee jones everybody else is japanese and then Tommy Lee Jones in the middle of the ad. That's pretty fantastic. And yeah, because he's like with a Centauri sp- spokesman or something like that. But it's just like you're watching it and then you're like, wait, what? <laughs> he's, he's saying like, uh, he's saying like, like, like Hitori Bochi no Yoru or something like that, which is like, uh, but tonight I am all alone. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good. Oh, it's, it's, fucking, fucking, it's fucking hilarious. You should definitely put that in the show shake. Oh yeah, it's going in the show shake for sure.
I went, maybe, okay, we should call up, uh, Torres and see if we can get some, uh... Dude, sponsorship! Cash money for sponsor for constantly talking at Milkshake. Yeah, dude, we should, we should get some... That, that's not a bad idea. I think he would actually probably sponsor us. No, let's not do that. He, he and I have talked about his, uh, his mime types before, so we have, we have a connection. <laughs> that's important. Excellent. You talk about mime types with somebody, you see into their soul, you, you get a no, you get a glimpse of their moral perspective. <laughs> There's something I want to talk about. Oh, with please, that, with that, but I don't, I don't feel like it's appropriate to talk about it on the air, unfortunately. But I will say, what I will say, the details are not appropriate for the air. But I will say that, you know how sometimes you feel when you're like, you learn a fact, and then you're like, why am I the only smart person? You know, you know what I'm yes. talking about, right? You're like, how yes. am I the only smart person? How have I only, am, am I really, like... Did I only think of this just now? Like, as, like, does that, what does that mean? Like, is the whole world stupid? Yeah, it's, I, it's I, the, I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Yes. Right, yeah. I felt, I, I had that experience the other day, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why? I, what is I wrong know with exactly you? what you're what referring to. What is wrong to. with you? Yeah, yeah. And, and the details are not important, but, um, but it's just like that feeling of where you're like, what the fuck? Like, why am I the only one who, who like sees the path from A to B that's like, you know, five feet and everyone else is going like, you know, like A to Z to X to, you know, Q squared and like doing the whole crazy shit. And it's like, it's like Looney Tunes when let's like, you know, like the one guy like walks the straight line, but like along the road and the other guy goes like into the forest and like, it's like the, the crazy red line of like getting oh, lost and oh, like oh, the question mark circus. family circus yeah, with yeah, little trails yeah, around exactly. the neighborhood <laughs> yeah exactly oh, what, a, um, what a vile and disgusting piece of commercial <laughs> tripe the family circus circuses Ugh. I, I, I go with treacle treacle yes treacle treacle is a good word for family circus newspaper comics with the notable exception of get fuzzy by darby conley all suck uh, and doonesbury is good Pearls Before Swine is pretty good. Nah, it doesn't. It like, I, it, it's not great, but it, it's 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 readable. Mm -hmm. It's readable. You can read it and go like, mm, that was all right. Mm. It doesn't leave a bad taste in your mouth. Like pretty much all like BC. Oh, uh, BC or or any of these other or like uh, uh, Wizard Before Id. Oh yeah. Or Wizard Do you remember the time rather. the BC guy got in trouble for uh, that really Islamophobic uh, strip he made? Which really Islamophobic strip? I'm sure there were. I'm sure. I'm sure there were multiple. Uh, yeah, that was hilarious. Let the record show that that shit was hilarious. Yeah, that guy is. That guy is a fucking crazy motherfucker. Like yes, uh, Johnny Hart. It was. Uh, yeah. So, fr friend of the show, uh, Illy uh, CHC on Twitter. Uh, CHC sixteen, yeah, CHC sixteen. He's a uh, he always he like he likes to show me newspaper comics that are particularly both the, both the particularly good and the particularly bad. Uh, mm. And there's one that I'm totally forgetting the name of. I'm blanking on it. That's really good. I think it's like it's called Cul de Sac or something like that. I'm not familiar. It's I wasn't. I ha it's newish. I hadn't uh, heard of it, but it, it's really f actually quite funny. Very Calvin and Hobbes sort of like inner world of children of you know like like uh the line between like the the world of the child and the world of the of the real world is sort of somewhat blurred mm. 
yes. and uh and that's great uh zits is also really good yeah like uh it's it, it can be quite good yeah yeah i mean the, again it, it's it's i read it and more more times than not i will laugh you know what i really so, like I, I really like when you go to somebody's house and uh they've got uh yellowed uh cut out uh calvin and Hobbes strips on the fridge nice that yeah is always awesome uh because you keep a comic strip for, around for like what how long when did he stop doing calvin when when did waterson stop doing calvin and Hobbes? uh mid 90s that's it yeah, you keep a comic 90s, strip around 90s. for 15 years that's pretty great and calvin and Hobbes yeah. is utterly fantastic so oh yeah i mean calvin and Hobbes is if you don't like calvin and Hobbes, it's i'm going to have one of those uh just it's like when people say they haven't watched star wars or or don't like star wars i'm like you know what huh yeah it would be it would be like what uh, are you what planet are you from like i i I have a close friend who actually does not like star wars that actually surprises me that you are friends with somebody like that colin yeah it's it's uh she's one of my oldest friends uh (laughs) And she's, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, there's a lot about our friendship that's weird like that. That's like, there's the tension between like, I disagree with that very much. You disagree with this very much, but yet we still manage to find common ground. And, uh, actually there's a lot that we do, that we do have in common aside from that. So that's why it works. Well, it's good to have friends that, with orthogonal views. It is. It it is. You know what I mean? It is good to, to, that she has different opinions than mine because, you know, it just makes me feel like my opinions are that much more right. <laughs> when I can surround myself with people who disagree, I'm like, you know what? I'm not wrong. You're all wrong. And your wrongness makes me stronger. So it's like contrarianism by proxy? Sure. Okay, if, that'll do. Yeah. I, I can respect that. That, may, that makes sense to me. There are orthogonal thoughts, and and then there's not liking Star Wars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Notice I didn't say opposite; I said orthogonal. Yeah. I noticed. But uh, the other one that confused me is never seen Star Wars. That's a popular one on on like online dating profiles to put like the most private thing I'm willing to admit. I've never seen Star Wars. I I actually have a theory about this. Um, I think there are people that once they reach a certain point in their life. And they haven't seen Star Wars for whatever fucked up reason. You know, their right. parents were terrible, whatever. They were raised by wolves. Um, yeah. Um, I think you can even you can subdivide the group of people that had not seen Star Wars by a certain point in their life by the people who fucking, you know, nut up and decide to join civilization and watch it. And the people who they decide that's going to be their affectation for the rest of their life. They're going to be I haven't seen Star Wars guys. They're a special differentiator. Or, or, or like hi, I don't know what a TIE fighter is, girl. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, man, pe- people hate... At some point, eventually, you don't... The contrarianism and the... There's a pleasure you get from, you know, being counterculture. It's the I don't know a TV phenomenon. Simultaneously, right. a little bit, uh, a little bit condescending, but also, oh well, it's not really important. It just makes me stand out. And then at some point, you know, you have to, you, like, it's hard to, uh, you don't want to give that up. So I, I it, people definitely cling on to that. 
I feel like that's the stupidest fucking reason to do something, though. It's like, a very, it's a very bad reason for doing like, something. Like, 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 I'm gonna do this not because of of anything that has to do with me doing or not doing that activity. No, I'm gonna do it because it either makes me feel interesting to not have done or 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 do it. But I'm also I'm gonna refuse anybody telling me that I should do it because it'll make me feel better or like you know you'll oh actually there's some enjoyable TV programs that you could watch. No, I won't get a TV. Um, just because you just want to like feel important, like that's bullshit, man. It's a it, it's a vanity movement. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fucking self obsessed and fuck those people. L- living where I do, I tend to run into this these sort of sanctimonious affectations a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes, Ooh. yes, I do, dude, dude. I live in San Francisco. I. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's plenty of those people. This is why I like Pittsburgh. It's a pretty uh. Pretty sincere place. Yeah, nothing but nothing yeah, but steel yeah, dude, We drank there, right? we drank uh, uh, an American style pale lo- pale lager, had a sandwich piled high with coleslaw and fries, and <laughs> yes. and we're surrounded by people who were who were arguing about local politics. Yep, Pittsburgh is the most sincere place on the planet. I like it here. <laughs> I like it. There really are there are small contingents of uh, hipsters. Uh, like five block radii. Uh, nice. It's, 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 oh, I, enclaves. I would, des- I would describe it more as hipster ghetto. <laughs> Episode title right there. Here's a discussion I've been needing to have. All um, right, because I'm I'm approaching a year living in Williamsburg, um, and I really love it here. Um, but and 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 even before I moved here, I lived in Austin, so this was still a problem for me yes um you know I've, I've always kind of despised the word hipster i, I think it's it's kind of vacuous and it, it lacks meaning mm. especially it la- now it, it lacks rigor but yeah exactly but here <laughs> here I, I i i hesitate to use that word at all because you could potentially exclude like 95 percent of the people that live in this neighborhood if you use that word to its full extent yes so my question is, I mean, what what the fuck does that word even mean anymore? I mean, here you you definitely and because you'll hear everybody say, it, even people who you would normally characterize by, I guess what you'd call the original, very much smaller definition of hipster, the right. they say clothes it, and whatnot. Yeah, they say it the most. It's true, they do in an accusatory fashion, right? I mean, I feel like at this point, the definition has become recursive, and a hipster is someone who denies vigorously being a hipster. Like, the more you deny, and the more often and loudly you deny being a hipster, that makes you more of, that. that is the, the sole criteria for your, the definition of you being a hipster. It's like, right. it's like how, like, you know, the speed of light is defined by, like, you know, like, some cesium atom like shit right like it's the, se- it's the second yes yeah right. the second yes it's yeah yeah well, it's the, like yeah it's like freddy krueger like it's like if you if you are afraid of freddy he can fuck you up even mm, worse yes exactly right, right. exactly but and on so, the other hand there is the i mean obviously it's re- it, it is incredibly uh it's incredibly irritating to have everything described as, described as hipster, but there is a section. Uh, there, there are people in Williamsburg, and there are people in San Francisco and Portland and Seattle, where you just see them and you're like, oh my god, look at that fucking hipster. I think we already did have words for that, though, and I think 
people at large are pussies um, with regard to call <laughs> to saying what these people really are, and that's pretentious asshole. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's really the worst part of all of it is the pretense. Yeah, Hip- hipster um, is a cowardly way of calling somebody a pretentious dick. Truth. Truth. That's totally true. Like, and, yeah. and and honestly, that's that's the only part about it that's really annoying. Like, someone can be be like 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 I have a friend. Uh, you guys know you know my friend Andy Matushak, right? Oh yes, oh, of yeah. course. Yeah, I love that guy. This is a good story. This is a good story. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to Andy. Andy is fucking awesome. He is brilliant. A lot of people when they they they, they know Andy either like peripherally or online think Andy comes across a little bit. He, 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 his interests are those of someone who, who you might find annoying in real life, right? Gourmet food, expensive coffee, stuff like that, right? He plays the piano. He has an amazing singing voice. He's exceptionally well-dressed. Yes, exactly. But the thing about Andy is that he's completely earnestly enthusiastic about nice all of that guy. stuff. He truly is. He is so nice, and it's just the reason why he loves gourmet food is because he wants to eat the best food possible. Because he loves food. There's nothing pretentious about it. Right, exactly. There's, there's, no, there's no pretense. It's just like, I really fucking like food, and I like clothes, and I want the best ones. Yeah, so. yeah and because, you know, if push came to shove and somebody was like, you know, explain, explain to me your sartorial ways, he would take you to fucking school. Oh, yeah. Right, because that, cause, like, I've known him for long enough that I've seen him go through that, like, I know nothing about su- subject X to I now dress, you know, in... You know, the finest robes, like the finest, you know, the finest Chinese silks. <laughs> I swallowed myself in, in, in soft Indian cotton, like yes. sort of shit. Right. Pashmina, and it's like, I believe is, uh, <laughs> that's a thing. What are we talking about? Uh, pretension and hipsters and why, uh, what, what really interests me about the whole hipster phenomenon is why we agreed it, uh, is why we uh, co-opted a term from the 30s. Yes. Why? It's bizarre. I mean, that's that's almost very appropriate given given you know uh, I guess the early earlier definition where those people tended to take on things that were um, vintage or anachronisms. It's a little appropriate, I guess, but it's, it's, I agree, it is silly. Yeah, I, I'm just, like, I'm just interested that, uh, of the term that, uh, kind of, it lay dormant for 50 years, and then we, uh, just all agreed to start using it someday. It's kind of cool. And, and it, it's an interesting question. I mean, back then, was it, was the term used to describe, I, mean, I guess, an undesirable element? It, according to Wikipedia, it was, uh, like the jazz scene, uh, it, it, like Beatnik or Hepcat. Yeah, yeah. Hepcat. It was. It, it was. Uh, it, it was used pejoratively, but not necessarily pejoratively. It could be a compliment because it was calling somebody hip. Kind of cool language. How does it work? Nobody knows. <laughs> it's a miracle that language works at all. It's true. <laughs> Ask Noam Chomsky about that someday. Oh my God. Fuck that yeah. dude. I'll ask him this week. That dude owes me money. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think he's a very smart guy, Noam Chomsky, but I find it incredibly irritating that his, like, the whole definition of, like, universal grammar is, is I'll know it when I see it. Yes, it's very, uh, And then, and then at the same time, he attacks people who are actually doing real models that have real testable, provable results as not having rigor. Like, the computational linguistic stuff, like, 
that ha- you can say like how is, does your classifier stack up against what people think these words actually mean and that that's rigorous and the universal grammar is not rigorous it's a cool idea and it's important but it's like yo you're like that's some like two-faced shit like uh do you guys read dinosaur comics yes uh you, i've read a few you know that the, the author of that is a computational linguist brian north is a yeah. computational linguist yep i think he has a phd fuck what? dude is super smart that's crazy I mean, he's a he, great coder he, too he, he, he definitely all the, the their ad systems project wonderful and stuff he did oh, all nice. that and their yeah. search engine oh no robot oh i didn't know he i thought he like just like was like ryan north presents like no he wrote those things because he's a very nice. good programmer and very smart person excellent shout outs to ryan north i like that guy we got we, we had a little discussion on uh twitter about the new stumble upon logo <laughs> i said it looked like a dick he agreed humble brag humble brag yeah stumble brag <laughs> as, was, as was established this was not a humble brag it was however a cool story bro <laughs> <laughs> That's a good comic. Oh, that man. should be in newspapers. <laughs> Dinosaur comics. Wow, that'd be amazing. Uh, that would be amazing to be a newspaper mogul, all Citizen Kane. To to return to the topic of newspaper comics, uh, if you guys aren't familiar with Liberty Meadows, not familiar. Holy shit, no. so good, so awesome. It's drawn by a guy named Frank Cho, who is first of all he's an incredible, incredible artist and just draws just his just art is just fantastic and like he's also really funny and like the the fact that it was like published in the newspaper is like incredible because it's it's absolutely foul like <laughs> it's very blue um it's it's a great comic it's very much like pogo if you guys are familiar with pogo by walt kelly oh yeah mm. pogo is great yeah it's, it's very similar it's the whole like animals like you know discussing shit and then that's actually about like current events mm. sort of the thing. Calvin and Hobbes uh, wagon strips sort of you know right yeah 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 it's it's really it's great and it's like um and like the dude was like he graduated from college and then got a syndication deal that's crazy yeah he's just incredibly fucking talented like um yeah he's his stuff is really great you should definitely check check out some of the Liberty Meadows books when you got a chance because they're awesome. I need more bookshelves. I'm running out of bookshelf space. I suggest getting rid of books. I will not fall for your troll, Colin. No, I'm no. What? It's not troll. I'm serious. I can't throw away books. Why would I no, do that? You what? You don't throw them away. You give them to the library, and oh, you get point. rid of the one. You get rid of the ones you don't need anymore, and that you you're, you know, you're not going to read in the but next. I already th- kind of did that when I moved to, when I moved to Pittsburgh. Is the thing. So uh, sure, these are all the an- books I really like. Right. I mean, like, I did that, and I got rid of a ton of stuff that I'm like, wait a minute, I'm never going to read this, and I don't want anyone to know I have it, and I'm never going to give it to anybody. So, out it goes. <laughs> uh, and books that I enjoyed reading very yeah. much, but I'm like, I'm never going to read this again, and no one I know is ever going to want to be lent this book. So, goodbye. Goodbye, Python in a nutshell. Covering Python 2.3. Man, tech tech books go out of uh, 
they become irrelevant so quickly. And yeah. writing them not lucrative. Not lucrative. Not lucrative very at difficult. All. Very difficult. The advances are are four figures, and you never see money beyond the advance unless you are really, unless you're writing a really really popular book. Yeah, I I, I don't think I'm ever giving away either, either of my copies of K and R C. That one is. Oh no! Well, I mean, you you can use that all the time, though. Well, I, it will be forever relevant. Got, they've, they've got the complete C grammar in the back. You can look at like <laughs> it's like twelve pages. It's awesome because he's great. Yeah. Except for uh, all the things wrong with C. <laughs> Modulo its flaws. C is fantastic. It's like that Winston Churchill quote about democracy. Exactly. It's the worst one, aside from all the other ones. It's true. I'm glad uh, K and R both got the uh, presidential order of something or other. Uh, the presidential order of the phoenix. Yes, the presidential it. order of the phoenix. Uh, and for for their contributions, that that picture of of is it was it Obama of one of the presidents? It I was want, Bush. It was Bush. Of Bush up there with. K and R and K and R both have these amazing old school, uh, old old school president style facial uh, facial hair and beards. Uh, it's it's pretty wonderful. Yep. Yeah. No, they've got the the Unix beards on. Yep. Man. As they should because they invented it. <laughs> I I would I would love to have hear heard what the conversation was like between those three men. Still did. I would I would uh. <laughs> I would wager. Probably pretty awkward. Well, it looks like we're at the hour mark, so... Damn it, we, there's so much shit we didn't get through. There's so many things to talk about. We just need to podcast more. We, we, gotta, talk about, we gotta talk about Peter and the listeners and Well, we can, all th- that we can stuff. thank our listeners now, and, thank P- and thanks to Peter Hosey again for being a great editor and incredibly patient person. Yes, P- P- Peter is a big part of what we do here. Yes, it's very important. He, he, he's the uh, uh, what the fuck is her name? Sally Menke to to our Quentin Tarantino. Mm. He is the Bosley to our Charlie's Angels. Nice. <laughs> yes, I'm the blonde one. I will be the prettiest. <laughs> <laughs> Which one would I be? I'm not actually that familiar with Charlie's Angels. Lucy Liu. Or, wait, no, she was in the remake. Never mind. It was only I, the only one I know of is Farrah Fawcett. She's kind of the iconic one, yes. I, I've actually seen, never seen an adaptation or the original of Charlie's Angels. It's a show. <laughs> Definitely, it's television of some sort. We've got the facts out of the way. Yep. Good, done. Yeah, we have a lot less to talk about. What else didn't we cover? We didn't uh, we didn't talk about Wikipedia Zero, which is this cool uh, free Wikipedia access in uh, Asia and coming to Africa, I believe. Uh, That's actually I thought was really cool, but we can discuss that. But we didn't discuss the fact that uh, this weekend is the anniversary of C four. Yep. Oh yeah. We okay. We should talk about this. We we should. We should. We should. We should. Yeah, let's talk about C four because I we we all met. We, it's at so C4. important. This podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for C four. So much shit w- wouldn't exist if I it wasn't be, for C four. I would absolutely not be here if it wasn't for C four. And being asked to speak at C four was, I think, the biggest honor, and so far has been that 
if not uh, one of the absolute highlights, if not the absolute highlight of my career so far. Yeah. C4 is, it was, it's great. So and do we, do we want to talk about how we all met? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I met you, Philip, at C4-2, and I met you, Colin, at C4-3, but I definitely knew who you were beforehand, and yeah. I was only uh, peripherally, uh, I kind of knew Philip vaguely, but then we started talking, and we're like, oh my god, we have the same views on a lot of things. All of the same interests. Yes. <laughs> and also, we were the same age. Yes, that was big. That was a big deal because uh, we were hella young. You guys were like twenty. We were both underage. We were both underage. Something, yeah. 20, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I remember uh, Philip. It was in the uh, what's the what was that area like right outside the ballroom where where C four three was held? It was like that little like enclave thing, like right by yeah, the stairs yeah, yeah. and we were standing there and then you showed me Gowala and I think I don't know how you we got started talking I think we, just, we were just standing there and like Chalk and Barry was, was chatting with some people and we'd kind of been listening and then we just sort of started talking uh-huh. uh, something like that and then we uh, yeah well, well I, I had walked up to you in I think it was kind of the breakfast line I think we were next to each other yeah and I was aware of who you were and I was just like hey what's up dude like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I remember that I remember that now and you were standing with somebody else too, like you had somebody next to you. Yeah, I don't remember who that was. Oh, I think it was Justin. It was Justin Miller. Yep. Yeah, and that's and then I was friend and of the so show. I know Justin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge friend of the show. Yeah, I'm, I met Justin at C4 too. Yeah, I met I met I Justin. Met him, I did not meet him until second con. Yeah, Justin Miller is fucking awesome, and he's yeah, really smart. I love that and guy. like, I am. I met him at C40, and he was like, deciding to go indie, and like I was like, do it, dude, do it. And he did, and he he fucking rocked with that the meerkat shit and like all that stuff for a long time, and now he works at a tile mill, I think. No, that, that, tile map. Tile map. Development seed. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah, no, that's that, that's what that's what he he does map kit. M- map box. Map box. Yes. Map box. Yeah. When I met you, Philip, you were deciding whether to go into or not. And and I did. Yes, you did. After after C four two, yeah, I met I met Patrick at C four two, and after. A, I got home from C4, like, I was, I dropped out of college because I hated school, and then, yeah, at C43, I met Colin, Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they, that's where... I actually think we had the idea for the podcast, it's at, uh... It was at WWDC. That was at WWDC, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. two years ago. There was the following WWDC, I remember we were at the Tempest. No, the Chieftain. We're at the Chieftain. Yeah. Yes, and, and, and it took us two years to report, to record... Uh, to publish two episodes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and well, we yeah, we, and we did like we did a bunch of episodes in 2011. We did like four or five, and none of them were any good. No, no, yeah. they, but they weren't. But but we did them. We just never put them they out. They had funny. They had funny bits. But uh, right, I still think we well, we, we should go over. Like the, all of our stuff that we've recorded, like we have a couple of aborted episodes and stuff like that. Yeah, that we like, got some good stuff in there. We got to put out some lost tapes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, get that, like, put that into like an album or something like that, and sell that on iTunes for like a dollar. Yeah, let's just I, I, let's just stick them on SoundCloud. All right. I want to make this a thing. <laughs> it's definitely not a thing. 
Certainly not no enough. No, man. People, dude. People have been like really responding really positively man, to it. That's like crazy. I don't, I don't want to like guys. I love all of you. Who, if you made it this far, I will give you any listener is entitled to one high five. Redeemable yeah. at any time. But for, for real, dude. People like seem to really like this. I don't, I don't, I don't get it either. But people seem to really enjoy it. I, lo- I, I love what we do here. I just didn't think other people would enjoy it. Truth, truth be told. <laughs> On on that note, I mean, I, I assume, I hope, you know, we get this out for WWDC starts, but yeah, if anybody who listened is there, come find us. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Yeah, me and Philip are probably going to be hanging out quite a lot. I will unfortunately not be there, but uh, yes, Colin and Philip will also redeem your high fives, good listeners. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll we'll take a video of the high five. We promise. And we'll post it to we'll post it to our milkshake. Yeah, we milkshake. promise every high five we get for the postmodern podcast. We will film and post on milkshake. And that's a promise. <laughs> Just know that I am fucking terrible about keeping promises. So excellent. <laughs> well, the onus is really on the listener uh, to redeem this. So uh, you know, I'm not too worried. <laughs> I'm not gonna seek people out. Did you get your high five? <laughs> you know, imagine you like DMing people. Like, did you get your high five yet? Like, you're like you're like drunk out of your mind. Like, that's that's how I do. <laughs> I get on, I get on the twitters and I've been drinking. Bad things happen. <laughs> Yes, excellent. And no back-to-work references in the final 30 seconds. Yeah, we did it.